Hi there, I'm Andrew Bracey here for Creative Careers in Medicine. In this interview series, we hear from doctors about all kinds of exciting things they're doing to take charge of their careers, broaden their medical horizons, and forge their own creative paths. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Sonia Henry, a Sydney-based GP whose debut novel is due out later this year through publishing house Alan and Unwin. It's inspired by her own adventures and struggles during her medical training. The book Going Under is a fictionalized account of her own intern year. Follows in the tradition of the classic Samuel Shem novel, House of God, but Going Under is a very gritty look at modern medical training. I spoke with Dr. Henry just before she was due to jet off to London for a book fair over there, and we spoke about how her book came about, how she managed to find the time to write it, and what she hopes it can achieve. Before we get to that conversation, though, I need to remind you all about CCIM 2019. That's the Creative Careers in Medicine 2019 Symposium. It's happening over two jam-packed days on the Gold Coast this August, August 3rd and 4th. There'll be TEDx-style talks, workshops, one-on-one counselling, a medical careers expo. There's already a bunch of really great speakers lined up. So much to see and do and immerse yourself in. As well as that, there's creative classes you can take. You can also learn from those who've been there and done it about how you can get a side business going. So you can take all those great ideas you've got and make them happen. So again, that's CCIM 2019, August 3rd and 4th on the Gold Coast. For all the details and to register, go to creativecareersinmedicine.com. And of course, you can follow CCIM on Facebook and Instagram. I'm very excited to be joined today by GP and author Dr. Sonia Henry. Dr. Henry, thank you for your time today and congratulations on the impending release of your first novel. From the excerpts I've been lucky enough to read so far, I absolutely love Going Under. Um, I think it's certainly going to prove popular. I suspect it's going to resonate with a a lot of doctors. It's it's raw, it's shocking at times, very funny. Um, There's actually a lot of quite dark satirical humour in there, which is right up my alley. While the book is obviously a fictionalized account of your medical training, it does, of course, draw from your experiences. In the opening chapter of the book, uh, the protagonist, who is in the process of writing a book while completing her own medical training, notes that inside her her head, uh, quote, the creative dreamer is always doing battle with the pragmatic, determined future surgeon. I write to escape. Dr. Henry, can you tell us a little about your journey toward writing this book? How true is that idea um, of those two competing identities um, and the need to to use writing as an escape at times? Um, yeah, well, firstly, thanks for um, interviewing me and thanks for your kind words about about what you've read so far. I think you've really captured the message that I was trying to send, but maybe we both just have a, a really um, twisted sense of humour. <laughs> um, but you know that's great. Uh, yeah, I think that line, particularly when I when I said that I, I write to escape, obviously you know is a character saying that. Um, that's very true. Um, and I think as a doctor, it is very difficult to sort of have these dual roles of being someone who has a very serious job, who has to do very serious things at the same time as sort of having this other side to yourself, I suppose. But actually, you know, historically, a lot of doctors do have this kind of creative side, be that, you know, writing or painting or TV, you know, script writers or whatever. So, I mean, there's been a few of us over the years, I think. But especially when you're starting out, it's a very competitive sort of environment to be in. Mm. And, and, you know, you're not really wanting to say, I mean, I was sort of, 
told my consultants because they were you know, quite engaged and in, interested, I guess. But you're sort of talking about whether you want to specialise and, you know, what exams you're doing and when you're doing your PhD and when you're sitting in the primary. So no one really takes this seriously when you sort of say, oh, I kind of want to write a book. Mm. Um, and, and those creative things, I think, are a bit almost um, not dismissed, but compared to the, you know, overarching importance of the role of, you know, being a doctor or being a surgeon or being a physician, it's sort of like, well, that doesn't really matter. Did you know what I mean? Yeah, the sense yeah. of, you know, the sense of who you are almost, I think, gets really swallowed up in the job. And for me, I really held on to that idea that I, I wanted to write books because despite how stressful and how overwhelming being a doctor can become, I, I didn't want to let that part of myself go. And I made a real point in my head of, of continuing to pursue it. That was one of the yeah. things I, was gonna, I wanted to ask you about is like how, I mean, I'm sure there were tough times where it did feel like that sort of creative spark was being extinguished by the, you know, the pressures and the, the not only time, but, you know, the, the, the responsibility and, and um, uh, all of the things that come with medical training. Was there ever a time when, you know, you, you, you saw it sort of disappearing? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um Definitely. Also, it's hard to fit in things like writing when you're working, you know, sometimes 16-hour shifts and, um, and, and you know, you're very stressed and you're on a busy surgical term. It's, it's hard to then go home and think, oh, okay, well, I'm now going to sit down and bash out 5,000 words. Yeah, that's you know, great. Like, that's the very, you know, the, the logistics of actually doing it. That was one of the other things I was going to yeah. ask you. I mean, how do you even find the time? Um, I just sort of did like I, I sort of I suppose I always in my head see it like as if I was someone who was wanting to be a cardiologist or something like that mm. and that would mean that I would have to go home and I would have to do my masters I would have to do my PhD and whereas I mean I didn't I told my close friends but in my head I was like well this is this is what I see as my PhD or right. my masters if <laughs> you know I, this is the dream that I have and and I'll continue sort of to pursue it but I remember a consultant of mine asked me do you see yourself as a doctor or a writer? And at that time, I was in the middle of some horrific term, and you know. And I remember saying, oh, "I don't really feel like I'm either at the moment." You know, sure, I sort of felt like I was sure. failing a bit as a doctor. I was failing as a writer. And then, of course, now looking back in hindsight, I kind of think, "Well, actually, I was both." You know, like you don't need a publishing contract to be a writer, mm. and and you don't need to be the best doctor working the most hours in the hardest job to, to be a doctor you know but I think as a doctor you're constantly seeking external validation right yeah so unless someone's telling you or you're onto the program or you've got your PhD or you've got your public appointment you sort of always feel like you're a bit of a failure and, and that really crossed over into me as a writer I without a publishing contract I felt like I was failing but again that's very much doctor me does that make sense yeah 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 i mean because you were always a, a writer in that sense i get the, like you this was something you had always had even in your school days and, and, and early on this was something that you always had even before yeah, medicine yeah. came into your mind is it something that you might even have wanted to pursue yes yes that, that is true but i think you sort of lose a part of yourself um when you start medical school and and then you start your internship and everything else kind of becomes secondary, you know, like you yeah. really become the job. And I don't know whether that's particularly healthy. I mean, you know, I sort of talk about that in my book, this yeah. idea of dualities, like you're a doctor, you know, but also you're a person, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like be that, whether you want to be a writer or whatever, but like 
you're still a human being. You know, you still have desires and wants and the need to chill out and, like, we're not machines. But I think, yeah, it's it's hard for people to admit that and I think people, maybe the general public doesn't want to see us like that. Well, yeah, I mean, this is obviously, as you say, it's one of the themes of the book but also, you know, and some of the things you've written previously and something you have... I understand that you feel quite um, quite passionate about is this, um, and I think you even said it in the emails that you wanted to use the book as a vehicle to to look at important themes and issues affecting your profession. And um, yes. as we discussed, there's a lot of dark humour in the book. Actually, one of my favourite lines um, is further on when she's asked by one of her fellow interns why she wants to be a surgeon. She says, "You know, she obviously has a lot more going on in her mind, but what she ends up saying is is that that line." Blood and knives and power and pain and mercy and magic. It's all in there. Um, and she could almost... <laughs> she, <laughs> wow, I she really could, like that line. It's, it's really... I really like... Well, she could almost be describing Game of Thrones, but it's it's a really um, quite a succinct... Um, <laughs> well, just, just to me, it was quite a succinct summation of a lot of the extreme sort of powerful aspects of being a doctor, that weight of responsibility that goes with that power, the pressure, the expectation... Um, and those real extremes in terms of the emotions that go with that. Um, and obviously you and others have written a lot about the, the way, um, the dangerous um, things that you know, are associated with the way that we're training our doctors, um, you know, not just now, but in, in, in years gone past. This is not a new problem, I suppose. But when we see the, the tragic results it can deliver and, and you wonder how much progress is being made, how can books like yours help to lead the kind of systemic culture change that's needed in this space? Well, I think, um, like I say in my author's note at the end, I make the comment that every now and again, someone, I suppose you'd call us whistleblowers, I suppose, for want of a better term, sort of, you know, they, they come out recently, there's been a surgical registrar who, you know, was has, uh, working under appalling conditions, who yeah. came out and, and spoke out about it. I think we've discussed this. Yeah, and, you make a and, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, I really admire her for doing that. But every now and again, probably every six to 12 months, someone will come out with a story like that, maybe less, maybe more, mm-hmm. or someone will kill themselves. And we all, there's this flurry of kind of activity where we sort of go, oh, yes, this is really bad and, and we're going to do something. And, and, and you know, the, a few hospitals will roll out a kind of uh, an intervention of some description. And, and, you know, but if you're on the floor, I suppose, or, or know people in hospitals or work in hospitals, you can see that the actual changes that are taking place are, are not not big ones, you know, and, sure. and they're not. The hours are still shocking. Uh, you know, there's still this system of unaccredited registrars of, of people who are essentially working as surgeon to um, being recognised and are then not getting onto training programs after giving up years to sort of do it. Um, You know, and I think, I suppose when you see interviews where they're interviewing consultant doctors who are kind of, I mean, it's still very difficult being a consultant and there are a whole bunch of, you know, kind of worms related to that as well. But I suppose I'm speaking from my perspective as a relatively junior Mm -hmm. doctor, but you know, and it really annoys me. Uh, they had an interview. I think it was uh, Catalyst, or one. I can't quite remember. But they interviewed. Everyone was sort of saying, "Yes, things are bad," and "Yes, there's been this bad of suicides." And but then at the end, there's this message of, "Oh, but you know, it, it's just tough." And yes, we love it. And I, and I think that's unhelpful to finish. You know, a discussion that we're finally having this discussion to then sort of wrap it all up with this. But but, but of course, we love it. But, you know, no one's yeah. questioning our devotion as doctors, right? And like I, I said, that thing I sent you, you know, there's a difference between a hard job and a job that is made much harder yes. by things that don't need to be hard. You know, yeah. like 
bullies, bureaucracies, colleges that won't open training positions, hours, um, overly, uh, you know, administrated kind of jobs that probably don't need to be like that for a better way of describing it. But I think my book at least is quite raw and it doesn't apologise for what it's trying to say. Mm. Um, I think at the end the message is that it needs to change, you know, there's not this sense of she finishes and I don't want to ruin the end of the book, but yeah. there's not this sense of, oh, but in the end I found my, yes. And, and everything was happy days. Sort of, yes, correct. Um, and, and when I was writing it, I actually changed, uh, it, it ended initially much better than the way it does now. And I think that was influenced by things that I was seeing and experiences that I was having because I, I sort of felt like I was almost one of the apologists to kind of say, well, this is interesting and this is hard, but in the end, everything's okay. Yeah. And we you forget, it's, it's, and I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's very easy to forget some of those flashpoints um, because we, yeah. you all get bogged down in, in actually getting back to the task at hand, I suppose. Correct, correct. And I think at some point we need to sort of draw a line in the sand and say, no, we need to actually, you know, I, I mean, I'm not a politician and I'm not, I don't really know much about things like, you know, commissions, and, but something like a royal commission wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. You know, something that extreme to sort of really go, this is a problem, you know, the system is a problem. And, and I have realised that once I wrote this book that I would have to stick to my gun, so to speak, at yeah. this and... And you know, and say actually, yes, I stand by by what I've written, and I and I am passionate about it. And you know, come at me with whatever. Like in the end, if you look at the statistics, and, and you look at you know, sort of hospitals, and and you look at the way doctors feel, then you know, I, I feel very validated, and I think that I have done the right thing in writing a book like this. You know, and I hope it does make a difference. Sort of on a related note, one of the one of the points you made in the email exchange that we had prior to this conversation today was that you highlighted that this book focused on the journey of a female um, junior doctor, uh, which you said, and as you pointed out, was something of a rarity. What did it mean to you personally to get a female voice out there um, and tell this kind of story from from a, a woman's perspective? Well, I mean, yeah, a lot of, there are a few female doctors who've written books in the States and, mm. and that kind of thing, but you're right, across the board they are, are written by men. And a lot of time they're written by consultants or, or people who have already been through a system. So it's relatively unusual. Uh, and I'm not saying those books aren't worth something. They, they're, you know, they're good books and they have mm. a message that's important. But It's, it's only also part of the picture, surely. Correct. And it's this hindsight, you know, this lovely, you sort of look back from your ivory tower a little bit and you sort of think, oh, yeah, I got through it. And oh, yeah. So I feel like mine is very much more of the moment of in the middle of your internship that you're really experiencing these things, whereas most people kind of move beyond that and then look back with this kind of rose-coloured glass sort of way of looking mm. at it, I guess. You know, from a 60-year-old consultant who writes his memoir about being a surgeon, obviously his feelings are going to be different. Yeah, it was tough, but I got through yeah. it and, and everybody else should have to be able to you know, overcome the yeah. same sort of toughness. You know, that's, it's that whole toughening up process that, that, that yeah, we so much Yeah, yeah and, and another thing that inspired, you know, some, some bits of my book, there was a um, neurosurgeon called Caroline Tan. This is all in the, in the public domain. You might remember this. There was a, a vascular surgeon came out of the speech for 
surgeons and said something along the lines of, you know, if you want to succeed as a female in surgical training, you're better off giving your superior a blowjob than, you know, than actually um, fighting back or, mm. you know, essentially you should just... And that created this huge furor and there was a big thing on four corners and they interviewed this neurosurgeon who described her experience and the harassment that she had uh you know, being a victim of essentially and her reticence to speak out and, you know, in the end she was sort of forced into it because she'd failed a term and, and then she talked about the backlash she's since faced. I mean, that personally has never happened to me in mm. terms of sexual harassment, but that was a, an, a, yeah, a, I suppose, a flashpoint in Australian medical training or surgical training where we all suddenly said, oh my God, like, this is happening. You know, this yeah. is happening inside this profession and, 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 you know, she took it to court and, and, and whatever, I think was, you know, fairly validated. But I had that in the back of my head when I was writing the book because I thought, one, you know, it's scandalous and it's, it's uh, it, you know, it, it makes for good writing, right? Mm. Like something mm. as extreme as that. But also I thought, how many men are going to be put in that position? You know what I mean? Like yeah. how many yeah. men are going to be questioned about what they were wearing or whether, you know, and and like I always say, I think the media really jumped on that. And I think the problem with that was it made us all focus on sexual harassment as opposed to just a problem of harassment, which is endemic throughout medicine. But, you know, it was also a very interesting point and it made me think this is probably the tip of an iceberg, you know, like this, the fact is this happened to her. She didn't want to speak out about it Mm. and she was sort of forced into it in the end. Imagine all those other things, either on a higher level or a lower level, that are occurring that are probably very similar to that that no one is talking about. Yeah. And um, and that was a real uh, impetus, I suppose, to have a plot line along those lines I mean, in it, certain ways. Yeah. It sounds like to me, from what you're saying, it was quite a cathartic process in, in a lot of ways. Obviously, as as, as we acknowledge, it's it, that the book is largely fictionalised. It's it's taking a lot of the experience you've had and, and blowing them up. Um, you know, for for you know for the, the process of writing a book. But it sounds like there's a lot of um, stuff that you were you were able to process as well, maybe by um, through this. Uh... Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I think that it was a hugely cathartic process and. And it was a, I write this, um, I'm giving a talk in a few weeks at a, at a thing, and, and I say that, you know, when I'm writing on the page, I could finally be 100% myself, mm. because no one was there telling me you need to see the patient, or quizzing me, or I'm worried that I'm going to say the wrong thing. As a doctor, you're always worried you're yeah. going to say the wrong thing, be that to the patient, to the nurse, to your boss, to your registrar, to your colleagues. Whereas when I could finally just sit down and pour it out into the page, it was the only time where I literally didn't have to censor myself. You know, I could be honest about the way I was feeling and, and you know, about how frightening it was being being a junior doctor. And, and you know, it was. It was that time was terrifying. <laughs> and I was at a big hospital, like, you know, where there's supposedly a lot of support. And, you know, I just remember some night shifts and there's a line in my book where, where I say, you know, I, just, I thought, I, I just don't think I can handle this. You know, and, and yeah, I mean, I'm pretty confident and quite forthright. And I thought, you know, if I don't think I can handle it, who else is handling exactly. it? You know what I mean? Like, God, everyone else must be a lot better than me. It's sort of how you incentivize isolation. Well, I think uh, and it's not slowing down for you. Obviously, now that, um, you know, with this book, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure what the schedule is for it, but obviously I think you've said generally that it's going to be released later this year, but you've also got, um, you're about to jet off to London uh, with your publisher for a brief trip that could possibly see you um, 
getting a, a, a release or a distribution deal in the UK. You've also, as I understand, uh, sold the TV rights options already. Which no, no, no obviously these are early days and all of these all of these things. But it must be extremely exciting and rewarding to have such a positive response to to your work. This is obviously something I think we were talking the other day briefly. Um, prior to this conversation as well, you'd said that this is, you know, this is this, this goal of having a publishing a, a, a publishing deal is something that you've been looking at for, for, for more than a decade. It must be quite exciting yeah. now. Um, yeah, like I still remember when I got the call from my agent that um, that we had a, an offer from Alan and Unwin um, because I was at work and I, I'd literally just been looking at a hemorrhoid. So I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, really like, you know, just staring at, at you know, someone, you know, well, their asshole essentially. <laughs> and then I got this book, Quite a job. You know, fifteen minutes later, yeah. and, and I said to my agent, I've just, I've just been staring at a hemorrhoid, and she sort of said, "Oh, that's almost like a scene out of the book." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was surreal, and 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 you know, but of course, even then, you have to wait for you know the contract to be finalised yeah. and. Yeah. There's a lot of waiting and, 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 you know, yes, it was very exciting to sell the option to potentially turn it into a TV series and, and, and to go to the London Book Fair. But as you know, probably all of these things are a maybe. But at some point, like, I think it's good to just stop and go, you know what, like a year ago, it was only a dream for this to even be happening. All these extra things for me are really bonuses, I guess. Like, I mean, mm. I still go to work. I still look at hemorrhoids. <laughs> <laughs> I still do night shifts. Yeah. So, like... I'm still kind of broke. Like nothing's really changed. But yes, you know, it is. It is validating to feel um, as if people want to read the things that I've written, and, and it's also very scary. I mean, medicine can be an unforgiving profession, so that's been in the back of my head as well to, mm. to write something fairly controversial. Um, but the climate is changing. I think um, you know you're never going to please everyone, and, and I, I need to learn to develop a thicker skin. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, just finally, just um, on that note, you know, it is there. Are, you're not the only GP or doctor out there that's, that's looking for for other avenues to um, to exp- you know, whether it's um, artistic or uh, business ideas. But there, I've within the creative careers in medicine community, there are a lot of doctors like you uh, who are very keen to use writing as a means to explore the creative side um, and see where they can take that. I guess. What advice would you have for doctors who are interested in venturing down that sort of path? Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's a really good question. I, I think I would say, one, you know, write. Like, actually, obviously, devote some time in your week because that's what you really want to do. Don't sort of think, oh, I'll go on this holiday and I'll write my book or, or whatever. I mean, everyone writes in different ways uh, mm-hmm. at different times. But I think actually treat it as if it is something that is like a job or an exam, you know, in the sense of if we're doctors, we're going to sit down and we're going to study for our exams and, you know, we're going to get through our exams. Well, if you want to write a book, you need to devote your Tuesday afternoons and your Thursday afternoons to writing 2,000 words or whatever it is is feasible for you. And then I think, you know, actually, you know, the internet is a great resource to find agents and, and, you know, writing contests or write articles like it's like to be a doctor, you have to practice medicine, right? I think to be a writer, you, you just have to write. Because yeah. um, everything's there if you need it. Like, I didn't know anyone in publishing. You know, people often ask me, oh, did you know someone? And I, I mean, I grew up in the country. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, you know, my mum's an English teacher. Like, I, I, I certainly didn't 
have any grand connections at big publishing houses. I, I just sort of knuckled down and did it and then, you know, found an app, you know, followed the submission guidelines online and found an agent and, and that was it. I, I think rather than sort of telling yourself, I need to know someone or I won't make it or it's too hard or you actually just need to sit down and write. And then, and then the resources are there for when you're ready to use them would be my advice. That was Dr. Sonia Henry, keeping an eye out for her book, Going Under. It's due out later this year. I'm sure there'll be plenty of excitement about that one. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Just another quick reminder to register for CCIM 2019. The symposium is happening on the Gold Coast this August. Go to creativecareersinmedicine.com for all the details and to register. And once again, of course, you can follow CCIM on Facebook and Instagram. This has been an Embrace Creative production for Creative Careers in Medicine. We've got some really interesting chats on the way, so stay tuned.